Welcome to the Wellness Phenoms, a podcast about the joys and struggles of life. The show will hit on topics such as mental health, fitness, finances, and spirituality. We are your hosts, Logan and Josh, two friends sharing our experiences with the world in an effort to help others. We are by no means experts, just highly passionate about these topics and eager to challenge ourselves and those around us. Hey, Phenoms, welcome back. Today is episode 26, Tackling Finances. To learn more about us in the show, check us out at www.wellnessphenoms.com. And while you're there, check out our patron program where you can make a pledge to support the show financially. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Wellness Phenoms. Today we are going to be talking about kind of, I think for most people, the dreaded topic of uh, tackling finances. I think uh, finances are definitely one of those things that are very commonly stressed over for most people. And it's it's a topic that a lot of people kind of dread discussing. And so that's why I think it's finally time that we uh, talk about it. We've yet to really broach into the financial arena much. And I think it's important to note too, uh, myself nor Josh or financial advisors were kind of, um, we've just had a lot of experiences like many. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're here more to share kind of just some like tips and tricks, things that we've found over the course of time and, um, you know, share some of our own struggles that we've had. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, like Logan said, it's a, it's typically a touchy subject and, um, I think it, you know, it's a situation where, uh, as we go through this, we'll see, you know, you can, you can really put yourself in a good situation or you can add to the stress of, of the topic. So I think, uh, you know, finding those good habits and, and pushing through, um, and building some discipline can really go a long way. Yeah. And I think a lot of people and I, you know, I, I look back to when, when I was in school and stuff and they don't really teach you a whole lot about finances. I guess I don't know what they're teaching nowadays in school. It's been many, many years for me, but, um, they never really gave a good layout of financial outlook and, you know, things that you should or shouldn't be doing. And, um, it's just, it's very important though. It's something that we need to have a good foundation and a, a, even just a simple understanding of, of how finances work and, um, some do's and don'ts really. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, a lot of times in, what I remember from school is a lot about like, you know, there's a lot of math, but I mean, I think if you talk about finances is more of, you know, you should save money, you should, but they don't really, like you said, dive in deep and really teach you how to be successful in, uh, in managing your finances. Yeah. Well, right off the bat, I mean, one of the biggest things is like setting up a budget, for example, and and actually, you know, looking at how much money am I making? What are my bills? What do I have to pay every month? I've got rent, utilities, cell phone, you know, I got to buy food and gas for my vehicle. Do you have a vehicle payment, insurances, things like that, and, and creating like a solid budget so you can kind of see what money do you have flowing in and what money needs to flow out and how does that line up? How much money does that leave me extra at the end of the month? Yeah. And I think the extra is a huge, huge point. Um, 
you know, a lot of times I think, and I can think back to when I first started working out of school, out of college and, um, you know, you're making the most money you've ever made. Um, and I think, you know, you get in this grind of, you know, at least I did, I just started buying what I needed, right? I had a car, I didn't have a car payment at the time, but I had a, you know, meals and, um, all that stuff. And I think that at that at least at that time in my life, I wasn't really thinking about saving or the future or um, those little tidbits that can help over the long run. I also think that I really wasn't budgeting. I think I just was spending what I needed to spend and, you know, some, which I think when you're younger, it can work for a while because you don't have some of those um, bigger expenditures that can come up. Um, but I think budgeting is a huge way to even prepare yourself for, you know, we all have these goals in life and we all have aspirations of, of completing things or buying a house or, um, getting a better car, or, um, those things. And, and really focusing on, like Logan said, you know, what's coming in and what do I have to put out? And even, you know, even assessing over time in your budgets, maybe that changes, right? I mean, you might be putting out more for cable or, a car or whatnot, and then making adjustments in that in the long run can help you be avail have more available to save um, for those rainy days because we all know something's going to come up. You're guaranteed you're going to have an un unexpected expenditure at some point, if not more than one. Um, and really building a buffer for yourself is going to help you really avoid some of that stress when those things do come up. Yeah. Well, and I think you know going back to the school piece, that's it's a huge piece that I think that we miss, you know, and again, I don't know what they're teaching nowadays. I hope, I hope that they're teaching more about this stuff, but, um, I see it time and time again. And, and, you know, we start talking about budgeting, knowing what's coming in, what's going out, all of that. And, and you hit on the next bit that I wanted to talk about was that what is left and am I able to save anything every month? Because, Honestly, one of the, the smartest things a person can do for themselves, because we don't know when something's going to happen, um, where one of those large expenses is going to come out of the blue. Is it a hospital stay? You know, do we have pets that end up needing to go to the, the vet um, unexpectedly? Um, you know, your car breaks down and you got a huge expense to fix it. Um, is setting up a, a good emergency fund for yourself so that in the worst case scenarios, you actually have money set aside for those times. Um, I think oftentimes, and we'll talk about this a little more in depth later, but I think oftentimes people will not have an emergency fund and their emergency fund may be like a credit card of some nature, which can get you in a lot of trouble, right? Financially. Um, and it's an easy, easy thing to go into. And so I think it's really important when you start looking at all this stuff, you have to create a good budget for yourself and try. And always, I think the goal is always to live well within your means, mm -hmm. right? And have a good buffer and hopefully be saving every single month um, until you have a pretty solid emergency fund set up for yourself. Um, and personally, I try and have at least a couple months worth of, um, you know, my income saved away in a savings account somewhere so that, that if all else fails, say I lost my job or 
I couldn't work for a couple months, you know, due to a injury or, you know, illness or something like that, that I have money set aside to at least give me some sort of a emergency buffer. Yeah. I think, um, you know, and a lot of times when people talk about emergency buffers or savings or, um, any of those things, it can be kind quite stressful if you, cause you know, I've heard numbers of, I know Logan said a couple months. Um, I think it's widely recommended that you have a year's worth of salary in the bank if you can yeah. get there. Um, but that's the thing is it takes time, right? That's a huge number. And if you can set up consistent um, goals and, and habits, you can you can attain it. It's just, you know, one of the things we use at my house is we have automatic uh, draws from checking. So, like, we get our paycheck goes in and then automatically – two times a month pulls out X amount and throws it into savings. Um, and it's right. I have it set up right around when the, the, uh, check comes in. Um, but it's nice cause then that money's gone in savings, uh, before you can even touch it. Um, and I think for me it helps because it creates that little bit of a disconnect in thought that you have to physically go and move the money if you want to take it out or need it or, um, whatnot. But, you know, setting up those little stepping blocks and, and, you know, slowly building those accounts can help in the long run. Yeah. And and depending on what your financial outlook is, I mean, you might be able to get there a lot more quickly or more slowly than, you know, others. And mm-hmm. so the point is, is to really just kind of set a goal for yourself and, and what that goal is and work toward that. And then once you get there, revisit it and constantly don't just you know, like you were saying, it's, I think, widely recommended to have at least a year's salary, you know, in there. But the reality is, is that don't just set a goal, get there and then stop. Always revisit, always be looking at, you know, what can I do to, I guess, better improve my financial outlook. And savings is one of the smartest ways you can do that for yourself. Because it, you know, is there to help you in those emergent situations. And I think that should be one of the keywords too, is that it's these emergency situations that you're building this up for. This isn't an account because I want to buy a new TV. And as soon as I save up X amount of dollars, then I can buy a new TV. That should probably be a whole separate savings account in and of itself. So you should have your emergency funds. And then if you're budgeting to hopefully buy a new item that should be a whole separate thing and don't even combine those funds. When I, when I look at my emergency fund, it is there simply as that it's never looked at to be spent. It's only looked at to be continually grown. Yeah. I think, you know, you had a good point. We've, we've said yourself a few times. Um, I think one of the areas that can cause tension or stress or where we can get ourselves in trouble is when, you know, we have a budget, it's our budget. Um, and everybody has a budget, whether, you know, if you're tighter on money, if you have loads of money, people still budget. There's still, you know, you yourself and your situation can only afford so much, even if you have tons of money. Um, so I think when you are budgeting and, and setting up emergency funds, uh, keep that in mind at the forefront of your mind that it's your budget. Don't let, you know, maybe pressure of a friend who, who has a little bit more flexibility in their financial situation, um, you know, influence you in your decisions. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think oftentimes in life, we tend to do that type of stuff anyway, where we start 
you know, and we've talked about this type of stuff before, but stop comparing yourself to everybody else. You know, if you see a friend or a relative that's got themselves set up very successfully, that's great. You know, look at them and maybe learn some best practices from those people. But we all make different salaries and have Mm -hmm. different situations, Um, you know, so don't compare yourself to everybody else. If anything, just look at it as a learning experience. And, you know, I do this all the time. <laughs> if I make a mistake or one of my friends makes a mistake, I just try and learn from those experiences. And then I try and look at my friends that have set themselves up very well and and look at, okay, what are they doing? You know, are they saving a lot? You know, are they, you know, just avoiding spending altogether? Like what what are those things? But I think one of our biggest faults is we often start seeing all the flashy parts of it, right? Like, oh, somebody just bought a new house or a new car or, you know, whatever it might be. And then we want to run out and obtain those same things so that we feel like we've got this same material status, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest downfalls that a lot of us have is, you know, maybe we haven't been budgeting or saving appropriately. And then here we are trying to run out and make all these big purchases to impress everybody else. And that just sets us up for failure. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think, you know, the next topic we're going to talk about was, uh, building and maintaining good credit. I think, uh, you know, the, the world and the way it moves these days is credit is, if you have good credit, it really opens up doors and can allow you to, to, um, you know, make financial advancements and, and, um, moving in the direction you want to go. And on the contrast, if you have bad credit, it can cause some extra stumbling blocks and, um, make it more difficult. Um, but on the other, you know, on the, on the good side too, it can also open the door for, uh, more opportunities for you to stretch yourself. I think if it's not used properly. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, a, a huge thing with credit and this is where, you know, um, it, it's, it's unfortunate because we get assigned this number, right? And this number moves up and down and it can determine a lot of things for us. So like, for example, if you're getting a car, well, how much are you going to have to pay in interest? Right. And, and when that number that's assigned to you might be lower and you fall into that worse credit realm, sometimes you can't even finance a vehicle, but when you do, you're paying an exorbitant amount of money in interest simply because you don't have a great credit score and that stuff can be highly detrimental and it it, that stuff can impact even further than how much are you able to save every month things like that and so building up and maintaining good credit is is something that everybody should be focused on whether or not you agree with that number that's assigned to you or the whole system as a whole, because it can be a very convoluted system at times. But once you get that number up to a point where you are in, you know, great or excellent credit status, it can be a lot more beneficial for you and save you a lot of excess money paid out for interest. You know, when we start talking about vehicles or houses, things like that, I mean, uh, a car in and of itself, if you look at the amount of what the car is valued at, mm-hmm. and then you add in all this extra interest that you're paying, it's kind of 
a ridiculous number to look at when it's all said and done, how much extra you've paid for that car than it was even worth. Yeah. And I think, you know, and not even, you know, just using cars, but, um, you know, credit card, if if you're buying something on a credit card, but you're not able to pay it off right away. Look, the same thing. Look at the percentage of interest you pay just to get that item. And I think, you know, a lot of people would be probably surprised at times if you really draw it out, you could pay two times the what you would have paid for the item if you would have not done it on your credit card. Yep, exactly. And I think that, you know, unfortunately, credit cards become a, a huge part of maintaining and building your credit. And I think it's so important to note that credit cards, though they can have a lot of like positive benefits, for example, you know, you can earn points on all your stuff at certain times, depending on what kind of cards you have, or you can earn cash back rewards, all this stuff that kind of adds that like glitz and glimmer to the idea of having a credit card. And don't get me wrong, I use them myself for the same purpose. But one of the smartest things you can do is do not use that credit card if you cannot pay it off at the end of the month. You shouldn't really technically be putting anything more on there then you can afford to pay off. So I put my normal bills on there. And then at the end of the month, I try and pay that off. The second you roll that off into another month, now you're paying interest and high amounts of interest. I don't even think with credit cards, it doesn't matter how good your credit score is, they're high interest. And it's a silly amount to have to pay on things that, you know, it it just can get us in a really hairy situation. Yeah, and I think when you you know you get in the situation where you put too much on it and you can't pay it off right away, well, you're still having to pay bills, and if you're not using it for bills, um, and you're just gaining interest every month with just an additional charge every month on your card that you're trying to pay down while you're still trying to pay down your your original balance. So just kind of managing that and working working through it with your you know with your budgeting. Uh, it's kind of a two tools that work together. Um, and kind of allow you that ability to, to really extend a little bit if you need to, just make sure that, you know, it's done in a, a smart way that you're able to, to clean it up at the end of the month. Yeah. Cause it, it goes back to that whole concept of living well within your means and, you know, making sure that you're not putting more out than you're getting in. And when we talk about that, we're talking about your overall monthly income versus your expenditures. And there should be a gap there where you have more money coming in than you have going out. And you need to look at that when you start wanting to say with all your budgeting and especially with credit cards, that's, I mean, that's one of the scariest places we can get into because anytime you put something on a credit card, that's not coming straight out of your bank account, right? It's coming off of a a bucket of credit that you've been issued from somebody. So if you don't immediately pay that off with your credit card, then you, you get yourself tied into that realm where now I am possibly paying interest on all this. And so when you're budgeting and looking at what am I going to put on my credit card, you should be kind of treating it the same way as almost like a, a bank account or a checking account where the second that I spend that money, I need to pay it right back off essentially. Yep. Yeah. I agree. I think also, you know, another great tool of, of working on your financial wellness and um, kind of building that up over time is taking advantage of retirement accounts. 
whether that be, you know, accounts that you're choosing or your work offers a uh, retirement account with some sort of a match um, is a great way to, to get into the investing and uh, growing your money for the retirement. Yeah. Retirement accounts are huge. And I think that normally we just, I see this all the time, but I, I can't tell you the number of friends or coworkers I've talked to in the past that, you know, they're in their mid twenties, maybe thirties even, and they don't even have a retirement account. And that's scary because I mean, that's your livelihood when you no longer can work. Exactly. That stuff grows though too, and builds upon itself over time. So the earlier you start that, I mean, it, it helps such a huge amount. Yeah. And I can't, you know, especially those accounts where your, your work is matching or giving a, a percentage above or whatever it is, that's money. That's a just free money that they're putting into your, your future. Um, so yeah, everyone should be taking advantage of those. And I think, you know, another note on the, on retirement accounts is that when you do get raises and you do get, uh, you do move up in your career, um, your uh, deposit amounts or percentages that go towards that should also raise as well to help you just keep building and building that account for the, for when you're ready to retire. Yeah. Well, with that match stuff, you know, not only is it free money, but try and look at it at the reverse too. If you are getting a match from your employer for your retirement and you are not taking advantage of that, you're actually throwing money away because if you know, they're matching you 3% and just say that's a hundred bucks, for example, just to make it easy. And they're matching that and giving you an additional hundred bucks. You're getting a hundred free dollars every single month. And not only are you getting that, but that money is going to earn interest through that account typically, hopefully, ideally. Um, and it's going to build off that. And Mm -hmm. so if, if you get a match and you're not using it, I would highly, highly recommend getting something set up immediately. But for all the younger listeners out there too, get a retirement account set up. The second you start working, even if your company doesn't have some sort of option, find a way to start investing money toward your retirement, whether it's like a Roth IRA or something, what whatever it might be do something because when you start getting older, I'm 33 now. And thankfully I did start at a younger age, but I look at other people in my same shoes. I look at the amount of money that I've already saved over the course of time. And then I look at people that are similar age and they are just now starting to build up their retirement accounts, but they're starting to sweat bullets, you know, because, you know, they're halfway through their working career now Mm -hmm. and, or close to, and, it starts to become a very real deal when you look at, I've got to start figuring out how I'm going to retire and I don't have any money to retire on right now. So yeah, definitely put you in a stressful spot or, you know, could elongate your career into a, you know, the time period that you were hoping not to be working. Exactly. Which that's unfortunate, you know, cause when you get older like that and it does come time to retire, hopefully you can go enjoy it and not have to continue working every single day. You know, yep, yep. Uh, also, you know, I think one of another big hurdle that kind of gets in our way is as we go through our working life and and you know handling finances and stuff is um, the lack of planning 
and kind of lack of research around how we purchase stuff and uh, kind of falling into the trap of I want it now, right? Um, I think it's not only is that kind of in our face all the time with commercials and advertising and, um, you know, just like Logan mentioned earlier, seeing what the neighbors are doing. Um, but I think it's a really, can be a really difficult thing to fight that urge for the newest thing, the newest car, the newest new clothes, new, you know, whatever it might be for you. Um, so I think really when you're working through this finance, working through your finances and budgeting is really kind of setting up some barriers to ensure that you do stay on your financial path and don't get sucked into that. I want it now. Cause it's very easy. Um, you know, some of the things I've used, I use now is, uh, as far as barriers really is like, I try to build in time before I make a purchase, especially like a big purchase. Um, so what I'll do is I'll, you know, I'll research it online. And then if it's something that, you know, you want to go see or touch or I'll go look at it, but I'll go look at it and know I'm not buying it today. So still leaving time for my brain to process and really think through, is this what I really need or want? Uh, is it, a, first of all, is it a need or want? And if I want it, can I afford it? Is it a good financial decision to make? Um, so then, you know, I'll go look at it and then leave and then come back. Whatever amount of time I think that might be, if it's the next day, if it's a couple of days, another week. Um, but it just gives you that time to really work through and kind of push through the emotional side of the purchase and look more at the uh, analytical side of it and decide, is this a good purchase for me or not? Yeah. Well, and a huge piece of that too is, you know, set up a pros and cons list as well. You know, I think, you know, obviously these desires for these material things can become, you know, very high for people at times. And this, you know, desire to just want to have the newest, latest, greatest, whatever. Um, or if we're comparing ourselves, like we discussed earlier to other friends, coworkers, family members, what, what have you. The pros and cons list is nice because it can actually set up this list of like, why do I need this item, right? How is it going to benefit me? How is it going to hinder me typically financially, right? And is it really overall worth the investment, the purchase in, in getting this item? And, um, you know, I try and look at that a lot. Like I recently just purchased a new drum set. I hadn't had one in years and I'd been talking about getting one, but I couldn't afford it. I couldn't afford it. Um, and finally I ended up breaking it down and, you know, I, I finally got myself to the point where I realized, okay, I can afford this. And, but here's all the reasons why I want it, you know, and I did look at all the cons as well. And for me, it kind of ended up weighing itself out. Um, mostly just from, I needed a new stress outlet and that was a huge part of it. But um, you know, if I, well, I have done this before in the past and it literally took me years to get up to this point. And I finally now years later was just able to justify actually making this purchase in my life. Prior to that, I just couldn't, it just didn't, the, the pros did not outweigh the cons. And I think it's a good point. Cause you know, when looking at the pros and the cons and, and, you know, part of that should be, is it a want versus a need? Um, but that can change over time, right? It might be, 
a want and then become a need, or it could be a need that you can't do at the time even, but come back around to it later. Um, Just having that flexibility and and awareness, I think, as you're going through these decisions will help hopefully um, avoid some of the the, uh, overstretching in the finances. Yeah. Well, and I I think that a a huge piece of all this too, and so I I try and employ this in my normal day-to-day purchasing life, if you will, is to have discussion. So if you have a, a life partner or maybe a really close friend or relative, somebody that you can discuss your finances with and, and maybe making these big purchases, it's a huge thing because a lot of times my partner's like, nope, you do not need this and here's why. And sometimes I agree, sometimes I disagree. But having that as essentially another barrier in there is super helpful and it caters to a lot of productive discussion around that item and a lot of times, you know, that can kind of push you in that realm where you you kind of realize, okay, I don't need this right now anyway. But then, you know, if you're kind of having your discussion, you start figuring out, okay, I think I still want to do this. Here's why you've got your pros and cons. Everything's looking good on your pros list. Start researching. I mean, back to my drum set, I researched my way down and saved myself quite a bit of money because I started doing a lot of intensive research around the different options that I had and started to realize exactly what I don't need in a new drum set. And before I know it, I'm actually saving a lot more money too than what I had really initially kind of budgeted in my head, Mm -hmm. um, which was a great way to save additional money, but to still fulfill that want need, if you will and still allowed me to make my purchase, but without, you know, spending more money than necessary, which I think is highly important when you're looking at these, especially bigger purchases. Yeah. I think that's huge. And a lot like kind of where I was talking about time, giving your time yourself time to really dive into what you need. And like Logan said, you can find, you know, you know, you could totally blow your mind on what one place is charging for something as opposed to another. And and uh, if you can avoid that impulse, then I think you can avoid a lot of that buyer's remorse, right? Where you, because we've all probably been there where you buy something and you're like, oh, why did I do that? Yep. It's not exactly what I wanted or it's not what I thought it was going to be or whatever it might be. But. Yep. Or it sits in a closet forever and yeah. <laughs> never gets used. And that's yeah. why that that time discussion planning, I mean, diving into the planning behind it and, you know, part of that is you maybe buying yourself some time and saying, well, you know, I don't need this right now. You know, I want it right now, but I don't need it. Uh And putting that time barrier in there, because that's huge, because just like what Josh was saying, you know, there could be a sale at the end of the year, right? We start getting all these crazy holiday sales and maybe this is something that you can wait until like a really good sale comes out where then it's almost maybe a no brainer at that point. Who knows? But mm-hmm. um, a lot of times if we just jump to and, and dive right in, we end up spending a lot more money than necessary. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that the time too plays into, you know, other aspects of your your financial growth is where, you know, it, let's say your income increases. Um, a lot of times, uh, immediate, I think a lot of times pretty soon, we decide making big decisions, start making big financial decisions off of that new income, um, 
which could be buy a new car, maybe upgrading your house, um, to anything. I mean, maybe jewelry. I mean, who knows what it is, but just seeing that money come in and like, oh, well, I can use it for this, something I've wanted. Um, instead of really going back to the budget and seeing what kind of adjustments can I make here, how can this help free me up a little more financially, maybe in my current situation, instead of, you know, making those immediate changes that could really be detrimental or basically put you in the same situation you were in now that you're spending a little bit more. Yeah. I think one huge foundational goal that everybody should have is that the second I get a raise, we should be looking at, I need to immediately bump up my savings and bump up my retirement first and foremost, before we start, I think everybody's like, Oh, I've got all this extra money coming in now. What can I do with it? And those should be your first two check boxes. Um, and if, unless, you know, you have some outstanding debts or things like that, get that stuff paid off as well. But the last thing that we should really be doing is moving our budgetary stuff up based off our income for our wants list. Because I think that happens far too often where, oh, I got a little bit of a raise. Now I can afford that nicer car that I wanted. Uh Um, Or we can just upgrade our house. You know, those are things that we should not be making quick decisions on first and foremost. And certainly not just because we got a little bit of a raise. We should really be, again, going back to that discussion, planning research stage there. And part of that should be realizing, okay, let's put a bit more in savings. Let's put a bit more in retirement and then we can start to look at other stuff and how much of a need is this over a want. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think, I think, you know, it goes back to the, when we first started talking about, you know, don't stretch yourself too thin and making sure that you're, you know, using these tools of budgeting and, and your financial plan to kind of ensure that you live well within your means um, and avoid some of that pain of, of being overstretched. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, we talked, you know, initially when we started this episode about the stress around finances. And it's it's such a big thing when we start talking about wellness. I mean, we want to try and keep our stress levels low. We know in life there are going to be a lot of stressors. There's too many to count sometimes. But part of, you know, I guess living a good wellness plan is trying to reduce those stressors and maintain them the best way that we can. And and finances, I think, often become constant on the top of that for a lot of people. And a lot of that comes down to the fact that we don't have, again, back to the schooling piece, I don't think that a lot of us were set up for success right out of the gate. And, you know, many of us weren't taught good, sound financial stuff. And, and it makes it difficult because we have to kind of navigate that path and, um, we make a lot of mistakes, which is okay. We learn from them. But when you are talking about finances, it's something we still have to deal with day in and day out um, as adults. And and if you kind of, I think, start off in a rut or you start off with maybe too many bad decisions, uh-huh. it can put you in a really bad spot. And it can take years to get back from that. It's like the credit we were talking about, things like that. I mean, it can take numerous years to get your credit built back up. And so I think it's just very wise to kind of focus more on finances, you know, and it's, it's, again, like we said, it's one of those things that a lot of people don't like to think about or to discuss, but 
Um, I think if we start actually spending a little bit more time focusing on that, we can all set ourselves up for more success. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, attacking it with a plan um, and kind of, you know, if you, if you are someone that's interested in, in doing different things in finances, whether it's investing or stuff like that, there's tons of tools available, um, whether it be books or, you know, a financial advisor or something like that to help you kind of get, help you build the roadmap too, if you don't even know where to start. So I highly recommend people take advantage of those uh, resources that are out there and, you know, educate yourself. Yeah. Dave Ramsey's a great one. If you're looking for any good financial books to read, I would highly encourage everybody to run out and, uh, check out one of Dave Ramsey's books. Um, they can definitely teach you a lot, but there's so many places. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. It's time for the afterthought where we leave you with quotes, challenges, and other thoughtful moments. So today we've got a couple quotes for you. The first one is the habit of saving itself in education. Um, it fosters every virtue, teaches self-denial, cultivates the sense of order, trains to forethought, and so broadens the mind. And that's by T.T. Munger. And the next quote we have for you is wealth after all is a relative thing since he that has it little and wants less is richer than he that has much and wants more. And that's Charles Caleb Colton. Don't forget to check out our website at www.wellnessphenoms.com and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Wellness Phenoms. Go subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on new episodes and you can also drop a review on the Apple Podcast app. Alrighty, Phenoms, until next time, enjoy the journey and stay well.